Welcome to The Journey, a podcast series by Christ Life Ministries, focused on renewing, restoring, and equipping leaders. It's a beautiful day outside today, and I'm glad to be back with you. I look forward to these podcasts. (laughs) This season has just been crazy busy with intensives. The number of leaders that are desiring to experience life change and to bring that life change into their churches is just astounding. I mean, God, by his grace, has extended our reach now into 12 states. Really blows me away. But healing begets healing. You know, we we think about our family members. We think maybe about our sons and daughters or our brothers and sisters that need change and how we've slammed into the wall trying to reach out to them in the past. Maybe the most significant thing that you could do to reach them is get healthy yourself. (laughs) That's been certainly true for me. That healing begets healing. Life change begets life change. We tend to obsess on the areas that everyone else needs to change, and that's probably a as we become aware of those broken patterns, an indicator that there's work that God needs to first do in us. And that's really the heart behind these podcasts. God, would you help us today? Would you lead us? Help us make our way to you. You're the only one that can change your life. And our gaze is on you right now. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, we're wrapping up our work in core longings this week. It's actually week four of the journey. We've talked about Jeremiah 2.13, how we commit grievous sin before God as we attempt to get our needs met independently from him. We, we dig cisterns, if you will that prove to be broken and cracked, that really represent the intense labor and total failure of our lives, of lives lived apart from the help of Jesus. We've talked about core longings. We've talked about core longing deficiency, which of course is where the core needs that God has woven into the very depths of who we are as the Omega Day when combined with our individual brokenness, create intensified need. We've talked about core longing discord. And this week we're going to start with a core longing experiential. In the same way that we've done our best (laughs) to depict these experientials in the past, I mean, it would be much easier if, if we were sitting across the room from each other and We had the giant dry erase board to use. I'm going to do my best, and I think that you'll understand. You'll get the picture as we just jump straight in. So what we're wanting to do is we're wanting to move into being able to understand, to see the depth in which we're knowingly or unknowingly committed to providing, to meeting, fulfilling our own core longings. Now, 
you might be very aware of how you're living independently, but maybe a friend or another leader that you're journeying with really has no clue. In fact, that's usually what I find to be true with the Christian leaders that I get the opportunity to help. When they step into this experiential, some of them, when confronted with Jeremiah 2.13, are honest with themselves and say, oh my goodness, I don't like to think about how often I've dug my own cisterns. Some of them are sitting back in their chair thinking, well, I'm glad I'm not one of those cistern builders. (laughs) Glad that's not my problem. I depend on Jesus for everything. (laughs) The experiential is going to help get us rooted in reality. So what I want you to do on the napkin or the piece of paper, or maybe you've got your own dry erase board, just draw a big circle, draw a line from left to right through the middle of it, and on the top half of the circle, create three sections, kind of like pizza slices, if you will. Do the same on the bottom. As you're reflecting back on our work last week in our conversation about core longing discord, remember that depending on the, the gravity, that the uh, intensity of our woundedness, there'll be a natural hierarchy of core longing deficiency, meaning if we've been damaged significantly in the area of security, for example, we'll find a greater need there to provide security for ourselves. So what are your core longing deficiencies? On that middle line, I want you to put the positive manifestation of core longing. On the top, maybe your core longings are Maybe the ones that are most significant or important to you are security, significance, and belonging. Now I want you to consider their negative equivalents and put them on the bottom half of that line. That would be insecurity, insignificance, and being rejected. Now in each one of these pie pieces or pizza slices on the top half of the circle and the bottom, you're going to be writing words boy, how do you say it, on the crust end, (laughs) on the outside edge of each one of those sections, the middle section, you're going to write emotional impact on both the top section and the bottom. On your right-hand sections, you're going to be writing vocational impact on both the top and the bottom. And on the left-hand side, you're going to be writing relational impact on both the top and the bottom. Now, as you're looking at the circle that's pretty close to being ready to be used, write uh, a, another line from left to right on the right over the top of the circle and a line from left to right down below the bottom of the circle. And you can write the word celebrate on the top line and on the bottom line write medicate slash compensate. So this is how you begin to engage this experiential. I want you to consider your own core longings that you've written on these lines. Of course, I've just given you examples. And I want you to ask the question, the last time that you felt those core longings met, it might be through a great sermon that you preached on Sunday morning, 
It might have been through a hobby. Uh, maybe you're a mountain bike rider or a water skier, snow skier. And you just killed it. Maybe it was the last run of the day, and you just got down off the bottom of the hill and thought, man, I'm better than most. I'm killing it today. Whatever it is, reflect back on those moments that caused you to feel those core longings met, and then we're going to ask some simple questions. From an emotional impact standpoint, how did it leave you feeling? What were the emotions that were online? You can think about that for a moment. Again, it, this process is easier if you can reflect back on actual events in your life. What I want you to do in this middle upper section is then just bulletize the things that you felt. Maybe strong, hopeful, empowered, joyful, celebratory, excited. Now I want you to think about the relational impact that, that that has on you. What do you do when you experience your core longings met? Often people are more relational. They're, they're moving into relationships. They're, they're more talkative. They feel less irritable and and frustrated and so they're just lighthearted and in interacting it's maybe where some of the best up to this point most meaningful conversations that you have had with your spouse are after something that you perceive as a is a big win so i want you to bulletize your answers there what do you do with relationships you can just write down one word descriptors or or small sentence, short sentence answers there. Now go over to the vocational side of things. And and I want you to make this category work for you. If you're a senior pastor or you're leading a large Christian organization, are these moments of breakthrough where you're feeling, for an example, secure, significant, belong, and that you belong, are those moments of great vision creation is the confidence that you've gained from this positive experience something that you carry into positive expectations regarding the ministry that you lead on the other hand if you're a stay-at-home mom mother or father how does that affect the jobs that you have at home you more patient do you find yourself bringing encouragement to your children or or do you feel more encouraged as you're working around the home i think you get the idea now the last category is up on top of that that circle and it's the celebrate category and you're just simply asking well when i'm leaving an event an occurrence that leaves me feeling secure significant and that i belong how do i celebrate that some people would say, man, we go out after a service like last Sunday, we go out and we celebrate. We get a good steak. Maybe it's a, a beer or two <laughs> or five, depending on the leader that you're working with. <laughs> Maybe it's we just go for a walk. We celebrate. We walk around the lake and uh, or we just go and 
do engage in some type of hobby, other hobby. Uh, maybe we exercise, we go for a run, we're just energized to go out and, and get out in the sunshine. So once you've got all that content written in, just spend as much time as you need to to, to have that section accurately represent you. Now I want you to move to the bottom half of the circle. And I want you to consider the last time that you left or maybe the last times that you left events experiences that left you feeling insecure, insignificant, or rejected. And again, uh, you're, you're working off of your own core longings, core longing deficiencies. So for the sake of this podcast and, and trying to explain this experiential, let's just use, again, insecure, insignificant, and rejected. So you've left an event that leaves you feeling insecure, insignificant, and rejected. What are the emotions that are online? Maybe you feel melancholy or weak or afraid or anxious, depressed, disheartened. As you're pondering, bring yourself back to those moments. Allow how you felt to rise to the surface again and capture it in this experiential. Now continue to your other categories. What do you do relationally? when you leave an event, an experience that leaves you feeling insecure, insignificant, and rejected? Do you push away and isolate? Is that when you go down to the basement and shut the door and everybody knows that we don't bother mom or dad? Uh, do you yourself more short with the people that you're closest to? Frustrated with them? You're pushing them away, putting up walls, or, or just a battering ram? against them, those are good things to collect, consider, and write down on this experiential. Now go over to the vocation, the vocational impact area. What does this do related to your career? Are these the moments that you're just asking the question, what the heck did I get myself into? Did all the negatives from this past season come crashing in on you? the building project that's over budget. Maybe it's your newborn that just consistently doesn't sleep through the night. Maybe for those of you who are students, it's your anxiousness and tension regarding finishing the semester well, keeping your GPA up or pulling your GPA up out of the basement. Again, you're just asking questions specifically about your, your current vocation, which, again, can include school if you're a student. Now I want you to transition down to that bottom line, the medicate and compensate. When things aren't working for you, what do you do? How do you medicate? Some of the leaders that I work with, these are the, these are the moments that they're stopping by the local corner store and picking up a six-pack of Founders Centennial Ale. Or maybe they're going home and just eating, or they're picking up food that they know is really not so good for their health, and they're just pounding it before they get home to sit down and eat another meal with the family. Maybe it's when you find yourself tempted to look at pornography or to engage in other dysfunctional lifestyle choices. 
That's the medicate piece. The compensate piece is all related to other things that we perceive that we do fairly well or that are of interest. Maybe it's, again, water skiing or running, exercise. I was just working with a leader who who said, Greg, when things aren't going well, I'm exercising two or three times a day. In fact, he said that his wife (laughs) said to him the other day, oh, going down to the basement to exercise again? Things must not be going all all that well with the church. <laughs> That's what we're talking about. What do you? T- I had a guy uh, years ago that said that if things weren't going well, he would just get his wife behind the the steering wheel of their ski boat. She would take him out into the lake, and he would just ski until he didn't have the strength to ski anymore, and he just get it out through that form of compensation. So again, now you're looking at an experiential that's pretty well filled out. I've got one more piece for you. I want to you to on the left-hand side of the circle, as you're looking at the circle, draw an arrow pointing left, and I want you to draw a four-section box. And in each one of those sections, I just want you to take this experiential to the next level. What were, what were the events that you were looking at, that you were considering, that were positive, uh, they they elevated you. They caused you, for example, to feel secure, significant, and, and that you belonged. I want you to write a one-line descriptor of that event in each one of these sections. And then underneath it, I want you to just briefly jot down the primary messaging that you took away. For example, maybe it was just this last week. It was the elders meeting that you led that just went so well. You guys came out came up with a new plan for uh, local evangelism, or maybe you made a big decision regarding a staff person that needs to be hired, and you walk away feeling on top of the world, what's the messaging that you believe about yourself? Maybe it was, I am the man or woman for the job. Maybe it was you coming home today, and as your children heard you come in the front door, ran up and hugged on your legs and just screamed, Daddy or Mommy. Maybe in that moment you thought, I'm not as bad of a parent as I thought I was. You get the idea. I want you to just give yourself four different examples of positive events that ultimately lead to, led to a sense of core longings being met in you. You're seeing where we're going with this experiential, don't you? (laughs) Here are some takeaways as you're looking at the content of your own experiential. The first is that this experiential exposes just how dependent we are on performance and approval to provide ourselves a sense of well-being. And again, what I would do to illustrate it for yourself is just go back through the whole experiential. You could say something like, well, as I perceive that I've performed well, read all the the positive emotions that you feel. I feel joyful. I feel hopeful. I feel empowered. I feel strong. I feel encouraged. Read the relational section. I move into relationships. I invest in them. I I'm a good confidant. I'm a good listener. What do you do vocationally? This is where the big vision comes from. 
do you realize what's going on? That all of those positives, for the most part, are dependent on how you perceive your performing or whether people are applauding your performance. I mean, even the best preachers feel a little bit better about a lousy message if somebody applauded at the end. <laughs> Their applause doesn't mean that it's any, any better. It might just be a sympathy. <laughs> applause. <laughs> I've gotten those <laughs> before. Doesn't feel all that good. <laughs> now I want you to do the same with the bottom half of the circle. Oh, man, the emotions. I feel hopeless. I feel discouraged. I feel angry. I feel irritable. I feel frustrated. Relationally, I pull away. I silo off. I, I go in the basement and shut the door. I'm irritable with, with those who are closest to me. Vocationally, I feel hopeless. I feel lost. I don't have good bearing, a, a good true north in these moments regarding the, the overall direction of the organization I lead or the household that I manage. I'm either running top half of the circle to celebrate with food, with with drinks, with uh, exercise, or I'm medicating and I'm compensating. Do you see where we're going? Point two, in our attempts to fulfill our core longings, we, like the nation of Israel in Jeremiah 2.13, are digging our own cisterns, committing grievous sin, and binding ourselves to the life of intense labor and total failure. I think that some of you are feeling that right now. You're feeling the intense labor of providing for your own needs, trying to meet your own core longings. The problem is, is that we, for the most part, as Christian leaders, just followers of Christ, are, are perpetually meeting our own needs, and we're just unaware of it. We never even knew that it was God's desire to meet these types of needs. We've just been living the way that we live prior to Christ. We've just brought that life right into the Christian life to the level that I was responsible for life prior to Christ. Without God bringing radical change to me, I'll just continue to stay responsible for my life as a Christian. What God wants to do is free us from that broken pattern. Here's the third point. In choosing to live independently from the help of God, we bind ourselves to emotional, relational, and vocational instability instead of finding the rest and peace and stability that comes from John 15 abiding relationship in Christ. Do you get it? Do you remember week two of the journey? That one of the big takeaways was that if our gaze is up on our chaos, our lives are going to be filled with darkness, Luke eleven thirty four. But if our gaze is up on the true Jesus in a simple and a singular manner, our lives will be filled with light. We're learning the same thing with core longings. If I'm spinning out of control, desperately trying to meet my own needs, I will experience intense labor and total failure. Could it be that simple? Could it be that that through turning to Christ, recognizing what these needs are, and turning to Christ in the confines of John 15 abiding relationship would bring significant change? I think that your hunch is the same as mine, and that is yes. That's the way that God has wired me. 
that every time I feel need, I would turn to him. I would, I would reveal that need as if it needs to be revealed to God. He knows everything. But I would confess that need to God and that I'd find a living, a very close, uh, kind and compassionate God that fulfills that need in the way that it was always designed to be fulfilled. Just a caution here. I was just reading again in the book Abandonment to Divine Providence where Jean-Pierre de Cassade says this, To quench thirst, it is necessary to drink. Reading books about it only makes it worse. (laughs) So what's the caution? It's this, that even gathering up a desk full of Christian books to turn to when we're feeling broken and needy, or feeling that wantonness grow up inside of us, might not be the solution that Jesus wants us to encounter. That if we're thirsty, we need to turn to the fountain of living water. We need to turn to God himself. Now, again, some Christian books can be used as a means to making our way to God, the living God. Maybe they're, they're used to open our eyes to a different aspect of who God is, and, and we then are able to go to him in prayer. But the reality is, is that, that even the Bible was designed to be a resource that teaches us about God, instructs our hearts, but, but ultimately leads us into profound, life-changing relationship with God. The Bible isn't an end to itself. God is always the end. And God is always trying to produce in us a deeper, more profound sense of John 15 abiding relationship. Here are a couple more things that are just really important to understand as we're closing out this week on Core Longings. The first is, gathering or gaining a proper perspective of ourselves. You see, if we were to look at ourselves the way that God looks at us, he would see at a foundational, a fundamental level, that we are a true identity, an identity that's been woven together by God himself, a a person that God has spoken into existence or, or considered and began to form before the foundations of the earth were laid. And in the center of that true identity is Jesus himself tabernacling within us. You see, he's made his home. Uh, We have have a living person dwelling within us. That is Christ, the Spirit of Christ, with all of his experience, with all of his brokenness and travail, we have him dwelling in us. The understanding, or the Hebrews 4, sympathetic high priest, do you believe today that one of the primary manifestations of, of, of Jesus is sympathy or empathy towards us? That's biblical. Go to Hebrews 4. Read that chapter and ask God to drive that home. Make it your experience. So as we're considering who we truly are, we are a true identity. And in the middle of that true identity, that, that person that God has, has woven together is God himself. Now, woven into that true identity are the core longings, understanding, purpose, belonging, security, significance, love. 
And God has wired us to not be searching for a God that's far and distant, way beyond Andromeda <laughs> somewhere. No, but a God who's dwelling within us, that we would, as we feel need, as we feel the disruptive emotions that are attached to sinful patterns that we've been a part of, we can turn to God now in prayer and say, I surrender this all to you. I'll never get my thirst quenched by turning to alternatives. I'll just be always laboring and never satisfied. And so God, come and meet my core longings. Come and come and meet me in my desperation for security and significance or my need to be understood. And what you'll find there is God a consoling, a, a John 16 counseling, uh, kind God who will remind you of what's true. He'll bring scripture to mind. He'll speak to you. Oh, never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you. Or, I've collected every one of your tears in a bottle. Now, your tears are precious to me. I know your thoughts before you think them. Before a word is on your lips, I know it. I've cast your sin as far as the east is from the west, and I remember it no more. You see, God speaks to our brokenness and also our need simultaneously. And as we begin to come to God with our, our need and our brokenness, we find our, our thirst quenched, our needs met, and we begin to move in a new direction, a direction that's moving us closer and closer and closer to God and farther away from the brokenness of the independent life. So as we recognize need, we turn to Jesus. Jesus meets our need, and what ends up transpiring is that we, instead of constantly needing having this ever-growing sense of wantonness, we find something new coming online. Satisfaction, gratitude, confidence. That this God-given desire is designed by the Lord to produce dependence in us, and that dependence, as we come to God to get those needs met, produces satisfaction. That our life, instead of being this giant sucking sound, becomes a life that's full of give. That out of the abundance of our life and out of the provisioning of God, we have things to give away. It's kind of like the great commandment that we're to love God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and then love our neighbor as ourself. That, that as our needs are met, as God loves us. And as we return that love to him, we find love for others growing. That's exactly how he's designed core longings to be understood. Now, there's another side of this coin. It might be where you're living today. And that is that, that if you're unaware, have been unaware of your core longings, uh, if those core longings have been left undefined, more often than not, you're perceiving those core longings as unhealthy desire. You see, the patterns that you've gotten into have caused you to perceive what drives you in life as negative instead of positive. 
doesn't mean that we don't have brokenness and and patterns and sin and and or that somehow we're self-sufficient and we can make our own way to God. I'm not saying any of that. And of course, if as if you've listened to these podcasts, you understand that that's not what I'm proposing. I'm just suggesting with all the rest of the universe, God has created need in us. And and that need is designed by him. It's not impure. It's a pure manifestation of, or maybe a, a pure foundation for all of relationship. But that need for security or significance or love, as it works its way out independently in my life, can turn to all sorts of broken patterns. A sexual addiction, alcohol addiction, narcissism, anxiety disorders, depression. You get my point. So all of a sudden we begin to attach the disruptive emotion or the the emotions that we feel that precipitate acting out to unhealthy desire. Well, that wouldn't be God's desire for us. God wants to change that now. So the other side of the coin is when we are living independently, we are far from living out a true identity. At the core, we have all of our past experiences that that are, are how we determine our value. We can be truly saved and still live most of our lives independently from God. So we can have God dwelling in us and yet be as far away from him as the earth is from the moon. Him continuing to speak, reach out, uh, draw us near, and yet most of our attention, kind of like being in a car with your family or or with your friends on a long trip you can have the music on so loud that you can't hear the conversation in the back seat in the same way that we can have the the noise of life so loud that that we don't even realize that God's speaking so again our broken patterns leave us with yes a true identity but it's buried underneath all of this brokenness and worldliness Yes, we've got God in our lives, but we're not turning to him, listening to him, or even aware that he's there most of the time. Yes, we have core longings, but as a result of them being undefined, we perceive them as unhealthy desire. And you know, as well as I do, what James chapter 1 says about this type of pattern, that that what I perceive as unhealthy desire turns into sin. And when sin is full grown, it gives birth to death. Now, again, I want to be very clear. I'm not suggesting that all that drives you is healthy. I'm just saying that at the foundational level of life, the needs we have are God-given, and we've just allowed them to become twisted, broken, and, and malignant over time. The manifestation of this life, because we're not turning to God to get our core longings met, is a giant get. Instead of give, we're operating with an empty cup all the time. We're we're trying to collect in a bucket that has the bottom kicked out. And so needless to say, we find ourselves in an a tremendously unhealthy pattern of looking at people, events, everything in life is something that's going to provide 
for your core, our core needs. That's a bad place to be. In fact, you probably have people in your life right now that that it seems that every time you're around them, they're just trying to get something from you. Well, guess what? There's a little bit of that in all of us as we're living independently from God. Maybe more than a little. <laughs> Maybe there's a lot of it. <laughs> God wants to free us. So instead of being one giant get in life, we're able to give. Instead of searching everywhere but God to get our needs met, we're finding deep rest and peace in, in John 15 abiding relationship with him. In fact, a, there have been number a number of leaders over the years that, that turn to me in this point of the journey, and they look at me and say, they'll often curse and say, I've prayed for most of my adult life that God would take away this desire, this unhealthy desire that perpetuates sin in my life. I want him to take away these desires. And the reality, the hard reality, is that God will never answer that prayer. He is not committed to taking away desire. He's fully committed to fulfilling it in you and me. He wants us to understand the desires that drive us, understand that at a fundamental level, they're from him. They're invitations. They're, they're invitation after invitation after invitation to draw near to him so that we can experience the scripture become our reality. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. <laughs> Thank you. Could it be that the disruptive emotion that we feel on the inside is just a, uh, an indicator of us living independently from God? We've talked about that before. Could your condition today be that simple? That God wants you to understand that the needs that drive you can be met in him. And that going anywhere else will lead to intense labor and total failure. We're sinners, Lord. We've just drifted so far away from the life that you've designed us to live. And your spirit is beckoning us back. He's willing to do all the hard work to draw us back. He's willing to carry the weight. He's willing to do whatever it takes for us to know you and walk with you in the way that we've been designed to know and walk with you. And so, God, for everyone who's listening to this podcast, this ever-growing community, I'm asking that you right now, by the power of your grace, by the power of your Holy Spirit, would chart a new course, that we would become aware like never before, that, that what we have deep down inside are needs that are promised to be fulfilled, met by you. And we bless you. You're so good, God. In Jesus' name, amen. See you next week.